head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 233 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Michael D. Higgins of Irish MMA Media. Graham McDonald for the first of two parts of the podcast. I have a feeling you might have used uh, Michael D. Higgins before. Or, have or I? I? I don't think I have. Mm, that was that maybe. was that was the latest I've ever thought of a name for you because I was. <laughs> I was like, look, there's a bottle of orange here in front of me. I was like, looking, what am I going to... I was thinking, like, the Cookie Monster. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know where I got Michael D. Higgins from. The Martin Atkinson. The Martin Atkinson. We won't get into that now. We won't... But... <laughs> Let me explain to people, right? So, it's Saturday evening here. Uh, we're going to talk about the UFC card, which just happened. We're going to talk a little bit about last night's Bellator card. Not much to talk about in that, to be honest. And we're going to talk a little bit about Nate Diaz and Masvidal. Nate Diaz, the situation that happened last week, not next week's fight. We're going to do another podcast, hopefully Monday. Uh, maybe later on the week, but probably Monday, where we're going to talk about the Bellator card coming up later on tonight with Douglas Lima versus Rory McDonald. And we're going to break down uh, the upcoming UFC 244 card, I believe it is, uh, between Nate Diaz and... And, uh, and George Masvidal. But we have to start. The, with this Ben Askren, um, Damian Maya fight has just happened. We have to start with that. Because I'm hot and heavy about this. I really am. How can you fucking swap Ben Askren for Demetrius Johnson? What were they thinking? Ben Askren, we, there's no shadow of a doubt now. You know, we've talked about it before. And we have discussed Ben Askren. There's this no swap doubt. thing is a bit strange. Though. It's not really. I can't even really see it as a swap. It's just they didn't, didn't want Demetrius Johnson they just would, they probably would have got rid of him for free and it just kind of cropped up yeah but whatever <laughs> the, the, my the thing here is Ben Askren is without a doubt the most overrated fighter in the history of MMA isn't like people thought Ben Askren was like the best welterweight in the world this is but how, like it, it, I think some people just it's like pride back in the day and all the stuff oh, everybody just all would always say oh, these other fighters that aren't in the UFC are would be these UFC fighters just to kind of be the hipster or oh, you haven't even heard of this guy and he's the best in the world and these guys you think are the best and you know we'll get smoked by this guy that I've heard of because I'm a real fan mm-hmm. you know and that's why he's you know he's beating these Russian guys who are better wrestlers than GSP and he's you know all this kind of stuff you always hear it's just uh, I think it's more of that like I don't think if if they had a free bet of a million euro you know between 50-50 the same odds that they really stick to what they're saying i don't think a lot of people they would, would have thought ben Askren was the best in the world if 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 they actually if it actually came down to it and somebody goes here's a million euro but you have to bet on ben Askren versus gsp at the time or whatever yeah. people would have bet on gsp yeah that's a fair point there's definitely something to that but i i do think people actually thought his skill set was good enough to get him to the very very top like I have seen a few people over the last few months even saying like, "Oh, GSP versus Habib, what a fight that!" Or uh, sorry, uh, Ben Askren versus Habib, what a fight that would be. I'm thinking like, there's such a gulf on the feet there that if Habib just wanted to stop the takedown, he would just easily, easily beat Ben Askren on the feet. Like Damian Maya, 
just smashed Ben Askren on the feet. Now, Ben Askren, I thought, actually did a good job in the second round of upping the pace and just going forward and, you know... He, and he, in the kind of dirty box and the, the break from the clinch, he was landing a few decent yeah. uppercuts and a few nice kind of... Not, like, nice, but, like, for Ben Askren, nice. Mm-hmm. His, his clinch was good. Now, that, that was the one part tonight I thought was actually good. His clinch was good to give him, you know, give him his due, but... He, you could see from the very first round that he didn't want to go for the takedown because he was, a, a, you know, afraid, I suppose is the wrong word. You know, he's not afraid to grapple with anyone. I'm not saying Ben Askren's not a, not a fighter or whatever. He's a brave guy. He's, he goes in there and he tries his hardest and he took a lot of shots. Yeah, well, we talked about it before the fight. Like, if he was diving in, like he dives in against a lot of people in desperation, he would have just got stuck straight in a submission or a reversal. And mm-hmm. even the ones that he did try to set up, he got reversed on a, a couple of times. And nearly all the grappling... Uh, Exchanges that he initiated ended up not good for him in the end. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the, like the problem as well on on I'll get to the to the ground in a second, but on the feet, the the biggest problem, as I said, he didn't want to take him down because we know how good Maya is on the ground. So he wanted to clinch him and put him against the cage and use that dirty boxing. He obviously had been working on that, but he couldn't really do much of that. There was a few clinches in the middle of the cage, and that's where I think we both agreed that where he did well, where he's landing some of them uppercuts and things like that, cut Maya open. At distance, Maya was just beating him up. But when he got into that clinch, he couldn't really push Maya to the cage. I can't really remember... I think once or twice maybe where the fight was actually in a clinch against the cage very very rarely throughout that fight did that happen and that to me seemed like Ben Askren's game plan straight away but in the first round Maya just beat him up hit him from distance was jabbing his face up you could see after 15 seconds I think I tweeted after about 25-30 seconds Askren striking absolutely horrendous he was just standing with his face out there with his head <laughs> like his whole the top of his body just leaning forward just asking Maya to punch him in the face absolutely horrendous and when I got to the ground in like I, I talk all the time about um you know Ben Askren and other fighters if they're like really good in one area and not moving or not improving er- uh, other areas like you know Habib has improved his striking immensely knocked down Conor McGregor did a good job against uh, Alaya Quinta he there's no doubt he's a well-rounded uh, MMA fighter look at Stylebender his takedown defense now is absolutely excellent has improved that that's what you need to be the top top fighter in the world Ben Askren hasn't improved his striking and he's grappling he's a good wrestler he can take you down he can lay on top of you but tonight he showed his jiu-jitsu isn't top top level and I talk about jiu-jitsu all the time and I say you know it doesn't work at the very very top level Ben Askren is not the very very top level without and I'm you know I, I might sound like I'm just uh, okaying my own point there but I, f- I firmly believe that you know my has been in, in there against other guys and he hasn't submitted him gone a long distance you look at Gunnar Nelson fantastic jiu-jitsu he's not as good as Maya but Maya didn't submit him that's the sort of thing I'm you know I'm talking about Maya against Askren a- Askren has never really well it is near it is near very near the, the top level like I don't think your your argument originally was that it's the, the, the very very top level that jiu-jitsu doesn't work at well it, well, it kind of is but it's kind of just it doesn't work in top level fights anymore. Yeah, it's it, high level fights anymore. Yeah, that's, this is a high level fight. No, it's not. And it works. It's it's not a high level fight. Ben Askren is not a high level fighter. He proved that without a shadow of a doubt tonight. Ben Askren, he is not top. Ben Askren has three fights in the UFC now. One was a fight, he, he was just given the win. He was knocked out in five seconds in the other one. And he was dismantled and choked out in the third. This is the reality of the thing here. Ben Askren's not a top nah, fighter. Nah, you're right. No, in fairness, I'm yeah. just I'm just trying to take the piss out of you. Know, thing. Like, I have said for years that like Ben Askren is just nowhere near. Mm. He's, it's like, there was a possibility that like he could have shown us something that we hadn't seen because we hadn't really seen him do any 
we hadn't even had a chance to see if he had any improvements in his game for years because he was in one FC. But the 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 snake or the snail like pace that he was improving when he was in Bellator in his stand up led me to believe that it probably wasn't going to be very good at striking. And he, okay, he showed a couple of little things as we mentioned in in the dirty boxing and stuff like that. But really. Uh, he doesn't. He, I don't know. He either isn't training striking properly, or just can't get get a hold of, of how to strike properly. Because he's been in the game for a lot of years now, and like Maya, you know, Maya's definitely no striker. Like, but Maya looked like a way, way more seasoned striker than him in that fight. Yeah, and I, I actually don't think that's the biggest issue. I think we we all knew he was going to get smashed on the feet, uh, and he couldn't improve that much. You know, he was he never even. I don't think he even tried to ever improve that much. But the the biggest issue was he got destroyed on the ground. I think. I think Astrin got, he got a few takedowns, I think he got three good takedowns where he actually got him to the ground, and every one of them had benefited Maya, every single one of them, he got, he just got destroyed on the ground as well, he, re, he really did, yeah. He got re-reversed, uh, what was it, the end of the second round? Uh, yeah, and the end of the first round, for, he got only for a couple well. of seconds though, yeah. Yeah, the Oma Platt as well at the, the end of the first round, I think it was, and then obviously the the end of the third, where Maya got the takedown and and our uh, Askren got the takedown. Maya ended up in mount, and uh, he you know he ended up uh, getting the, the back and rear naked choking him. Like t- I thought, but the second round uh, at the end of the second round, Askren got the takedown. Maya reversed it and went to mount, but then ended up getting reversed again by Askren. Yeah, there there was a good. 30 seconds there where they were kind of going back and forth but I think that kind of happened because Maya was just going for everything because I, f- I don't know did he feel like he had the advantage yeah, he there? mentioned in the post fight interview that he kind of knew that Askren would have been preparing for the half guard and certain things uh, off his back so he just kind of abandoned that completely and went back to what he used to do in his jiu-jitsu days and go for omopladas and quick mm-hmm. triangles and stuff like that yeah. just to catch him by surprise kind of. yeah he did a good job like uh, you know don't take away from Maya either he's a fantastic fighter he did a, a great job and you know jiu-jitsu Jiu-jitsu is very effective when you can use it properly and when there's someone in there who is... We're just like, just saying about that bit. Jiu-jitsu is very effective. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, t- to be honest, I thought what Askren was great at for years and years and years was getting down on top of guys and laying on top of them. You know, we talked about it last week and I thought that would be a method to victory for him. Now, I thought all the time, if he tried to do that... It was go- I thought it was going to be a five-round lay on him. And, uh, you know, Maya would be going for a few submissions, maybe land a few elbows, maybe have 30 seconds around striking and probably win the fight because of that. Because Askren can't take any chances when he's on the ground. The only way for him to win is to lay on top of Maya or else get that clinch and, and you know, keep the clinch for as long as he possibly could, which was his game plan. But... The fact that he couldn't just lay on top of Maya on the ground and be ultra ultra defensive kind of took, and he couldn't get the the, the clinch against the fence, it just kind of took away all the ability for him to win. And like Askren, what I say there about Askren's, uh, you know, his way to win was to get on top and stay on top. The fact that he couldn't do that, and that's his really his only way to win dominantly, that just proves how overrated Askren is like the one thing he's people think he's the best in the world at he couldn't do that against Damian Maya he couldn't do it he couldn't lay on top of Damian Maya he couldn't blanket Damian Maya now I'm not saying you Damian Maya shit and you everyone should be able to do it but when you're calling someone the best wrestler in MMA when you're calling someone the best welterweight in the world when you call yourself the best wrestler in MMA 
and you can't lay on top of someone even for 15 seconds every time he got on top Maya was able to was able to sweep him and get out it proves how good Maya is but it proves how ineffective Ben Askren's grappling is we know he's but striking. as I said I kind of said before he hasn't really been lying on people for a lot of years he like yeah. he's been he's been moving to different positions kind of keeping them guessing all the time not really like he might even be in second one on one side and go for like uh, north out and go to the other side or like just I don't know you just do shoulder lock or something mad so uh, maybe he's kind of out of practice at blanketing people maybe he needs to get back to that that was actually <laughs> like funny the, yeah I was just about to say that he, <laughs> I agree yeah. he, he, he needs to like you know he, he needs to take a step down and rebuild himself but uh, you know he is a nightmare matchup for a lot of people as well like let's be honest like uh, yeah. outside of the top the top few he, he is a very difficult mm-hmm. difficult matchup and will cause trouble for a lot of guys but he, he just isn't uh, upper echelon like, mm-hmm. we knew that before he, ne- he never showed that he was like he has a couple of good wins in Bellator like a couple of very good wins and then a bunch of easy wins and then a bunch of easy wins in 1FC and a no contest and and, and now he's got a, a very dodgy win over Robbie Lawler and two losses in the UFC he's been knocked out and choked out so yeah yeah, yeah, I think like, that, you know, <laughs> he's got a lot of rebuilding to do to be called anywhere near the best in the world yeah. or even upper echelon. I agree. There's like loads of people he can take down and just lay on top of that don't have the skill set of Maya. But there's loads of guys like Kamaru Usman. There's no way he's taking him down and beating him on the ground. There's no way he's outstriking him. Same with Woodley. Wonderboy, I don't think he's taking him down that easily. Wonderboy knocks him out in 15 seconds pretty pretty easily. Lots of like Masvidal knocked him out almost immediately. You know, maybe he'd probably beat Diaz because he'd be able to take Diaz down. Although Diaz is good on the ground as well, good in sweeps, and he'd probably be able to do what Maya did to him. So maybe Nate Diaz would even be him. like, "There's, there's okay, you can go to guys so lower what down." What I'm trying to say is styles make fat, make fights, make fights. Yeah, and Ben Askren has a style which is very beautiful. You have to be well rounded in MMA. You have to be. You know, people look. Uh, Habib is always the one people look at and go, "Oh, he's just a wrestler." But Habib is not just a wrestler. That people need to understand that he can run around. Well, he, he used can, to be just a wrestler, and yeah, now he's not just a wrestler. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He can run around after Eds and Barbosa, throwing big shots at him, and not get knocked out and didn't get the the get the takedown. Part of that there. is a fear to take down, I think. But he uses it to his advantage. Yeah, he uses it well. Yeah, and the, uh, the whole thing about it is being a well-rounded mixed martial artist. You now use what's good for you. Like we see, you know, McGregor down through the years throwing those big spinning kicks and things. He never knocked anyone out with them, and not in the UFC anyway. Maybe he did earlier. He'd be able to tell me, but the, he used them to kind of get inside, to open guys up for his left hand to do different things. You know, he's gotten a few takedowns in his time as well in the UFC. We we, we see it with loads with different fighters, even Cyril Gagne, which we'll get to tonight. Fantastic striker, and then he goes underneath a few times and gets gets the takedown it's being a well-rounded fighter like that you know the, the hardest thing in MMA is to prepare because it's such uh, you know such an unpredictable sport you don't know what someone's going to do because most lads are, are pretty well-rounded for Ben Askren you know what he's going to do. He's going to try to take you down, either lay on top of you or land ground and pound. There's nothing really else. Okay, you can think against Maya. Maybe he doesn't want to do that because Maya's a super grappler. So maybe he'll want to clinch him. Maya knew exactly. Uh, okay, I'm not going to let him get the fight to the clinch. D- he got some dirty boxing. He did a good job when he was, they were clinched in the middle of the cage. But Maya didn't let him do that. When it got to the ground, he, he just dominated there every time. As you said, he changed up his game, went for the, the omoplata, went for the sweeps, went for the, um, uh, went for the triangles. It was. It's easy to game plan for for Ben Askren when you have the skill set. Now, if you don't have the skill set, if you're just a striker with no wrestling, or even if you have good wrestling and you know don't have great jujitsu or whatever, Ben Askren's going to take you down and destroy you. But at the very, very top level, that's not it. That's not it. And I'm going to go back to my point again before we move on. 
trading him for for Demetrius Johnson was a fucking joke. That's that's trading Lionel Messi for Jesse Lingard. That's what that is. You're trading an average average fighter for the best we've ever seen. That's what you. That's what they did there. And I don't care whichever way they want to spin it. We want to get rid of Demetrius Johnson. We wanted to get rid of one twenty five. That's what they fucking did. And that's that's disgusting. I oh that's fucking annoyed me because Demetrius Johnson is such you a disgust great fighter. even me. Demetrius Johnson is just Demetrius Johnson is worth a hundred fucking Ben Askrens. He's so much better than him. Like he is so, and I actually like Ben Askren. I think he's a funny guy. I think he's a who's better good for character. the for the viewership. Do you think though? The same. I like I said this from the very start. Yeah, like, I think it's very similar. Yeah. I don't think there's any kind of big Ben Askren pull. <laughs> yeah, especially not now. You know, you have the you have the the people on the internet who like Ben Askren who think he's funny the MMA fans but they're going to be well, tuning the in anyway. going to watch anyway yeah, no matter what it exactly, is exactly yeah so it's, it's absolutely pointless you swap just the best fighter we've ever seen in the history of the world pound for pound for an average top 15 wrestler who never learned to strike and is bested in grappling by a guy five years past his prime that's the reality hater, of it. Hater. That's the reality of it. Oh, these are these are the hot takes that we need. This, this is why I like doing podcasts right after cards. That, after that, watching that fight, I was like, I was hopping to get on this to talk because that fight, that fight really. And I, I like it was a better fight than I thought it'd be. I thought it'd be absolutely horrendous, but it wasn't a good fight. I don't think it was. You know, there was a lot of striking on the feet, which no one wanted. There was what maybe a minute and a half of grappling throughout the whole fourteen minutes or whatever it was, thirteen minutes. Uh, so yeah, not the fight people were expecting. I think I think people just expected a twenty-five minute grapple fest, uh, and it wasn't that. So look, fair play to Damian Maya. He's asked for Diego Sanchez next. I like that fight. Let's make that happen. Diego Sanchez is a better grappler than Ben Askren. I think a fantastic jujitsu artist. We've seen him grapple with some of the best people in the world, uh, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure he can do it as well. You're definitely not a better grappler than Ben Askren. He is. He's a he's a better jujitsu artist. He's a better submission artist. He's brilliant. You uh, was it you that mentioned he Ben Askren with Marcelo Garcia? Uh, last week, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a match with Diego Sanchez and Marcelo Garcia as well, uh, where Diego Sanchez gives him all he can do. And that is years and years match. ago for Ben Askren, no, fairness. Yeah, and so it is with Diego Sanchez as well. But okay, I might, I might have gone a bit farther now saying <laughs> Diego Sanchez better grab than Ben Askren. <laughs> don't, don't take that sound clip either. That might be a bit far, but I think Diego Sanchez would do better on the ground with Damian Maya than Ben Askren did tonight. I honestly like Ben Askren did terribly on the ground. Every time he got a takedown, he got destroyed. So you couldn't really do much worse, even if you know even straight in there and got rear naked choked. But um, yeah, anyway, right. Let's move on. Um, Michael Johnson versus Stevie fucking Ray in the co-main event. Uh, this was a, a t- robbery or no robbery? I see a lot of people saying robbery. What yeah, do you think? Those people are fucking idiots. It's very close, wasn't it? It was a robbery. Uh, I thought that the the, the uh, judges got it right. First round was close. Uh, First round was very close, and the yeah. second round was was pretty clearly Johnson. But third round was definitely uh, it was close to a ten eight, I think, but yeah. not a ten eight. I thought it was just the ten eight, but you know, twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty seven. Ray, I think, is the right score. Uh, it could have been a draw. It could, you know, it could have been maybe twenty nine, twenty eight. Johnson, I think that's of those four scores of the you know twenty nine, twenty seven. If you're giving it to Johnson and you're giving him the first razor close, uh, mm-hmm. and you're giving the, the the third just a Stevie Ray ten nine, and it, it's kind of the only way Johnson could have won it. And mm-hmm. there's kind of more ways, there's more ways that Stevie Ray could have won it. So even if you disagree with the decision, I think it's it's definitely not a robbery. Yeah, I I think there's four possible scores there. 
and that's that's the worst of the four scores. But I I think the judges got it right. I think Stevie Ray won that fight. You know, he did uh, he did better in the first. He won that first round. I, I think he definitely won that first round. It was very close. It wasn't you know if you gave that to Johnson, it wasn't the worst in the world. I think one judge gave it to him, so and the other two didn't. So that's you know that's fair enough. Uh, but Ray landed the harder shot. I thought he did a little bit better. Um, you know, the, the double jab in Johnson really brought him back into it in the second and in the start of the third as well. I thought that this fight was gone after, really for Stevie Ray. I thought Michael Johnson was winning it. He was re- he really had taken the initiative. The momentum was all with him halfway through the third. And then Stevie Ray got a lovely uh, takedown. Just, it looked like Johnson was going to kind of um, pivot and get out of it. But Stevie Ray followed him around, took him down. And once he got on top, he just destroyed him and landed some big, big shots. I, I just gave it a 10-8. It was it was close, but yeah, I think Stevie Ray won a good good win for Stevie Ray. You know, Michael Johnson. He's lost a lot of fights, but he's some good wins under his uh, his name as well. Beating Tony Ferguson, Edson Barboza, Dustin Poirier. So to beat someone with those names in his resume is a very good win for Stevie Ray. So fair play to fair play to him on that one. And then my boy Benil Dariush. What do you think of that? Very good, uh, very good win for Benny, wasn't it? Quick, easy. RNC. Yeah, it was com- completely dominant, like on the feet, and then got the takedown. And as as he got up, as Camacho got up, he just basically took his back straight away and completely dominated from start to finish, basically, and all rounds of of mixed martial arts. Yeah, he re- he really did. Like Benas or um, Benil Darius on his day is a Stop fantastic. Stop hating him and ask him. Sorry, <laughs> I was actually going to compliment him. Uh, Benil Darius on his day, he's a fantastic mixed martial artist. Like he's. He's so well-rounded. He's good wrestling, very, very good jiu-jitsu, good offensive striking. His defensive striking can let him down at times, and his chin definitely lets him down at times. But I was actually talking to someone about this fight just after it, and we were kind of saying how... And we'll get on to Phil Davis later on, but the difference kind of maybe between an athlete and a, fi- and a fighter. I think Benil Dariush is a fantastic athlete, or a good athlete, maybe not fantastic athlete, that's gone a bit too far, but I don't think when it gets into the kind of that war, when it gets into that big hard fight where he has to take damage, that's that's not where he shines. Like if Benil Dariush is there jabbing, he's getting inside, landing his big shots, moving his head, doing everything slick and steady, he's absolutely brilliant. For me, that's where he absolutely shines. If he can go in there and get his beautiful double leg takedown, can get into a technical grappling battle, there isn't many people in the world that beat him when in a fight like that. But if you can drag him out of that fight, if you can drag him into a war, into... Or you can just hit him in the face and he'll probably be knocked out. Yeah, that's it <laughs> that's his big issue that is the problem like Benil Dariush has an off switch and people can just touch that off switch and he's gone and he can be winning right up until that and it's it's unfortunate because in MMA we always talk about oh guys need to make improvements they need to improve in this area they need to get better in this area they need to do this 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 and ben, um, Benil Dariush has all of those things he has he's great in every area did you nearly say Ben Askren again there You're I did yeah obsessed. I'm obsessed ben, <laughs> <laughs> Benil Dariush Benil Dariush but um, yeah he, he's great in every area but it's, MMA is such it's such an unpredictable sport I think that's the second time I've said it that you just you just don't know what's going to happen. You can be the best fighter in the world, but on any given day, you can still lose. And that's why that's the beauty of the sport. I think that's why lots of people got into it. It's it's hard to predict this sport. You know, we, we, I remember we were talking a few weeks ago and the, the betting show that we did, and we'll have another betting show coming up this week, so I'll, I'll tune in, patreon.com forward slash Severe Man Podcast. We were talking about and how... Um, how unpredictable it is and how many, you know, the, some of the, the, even the big title fights or big main events don't go the way we expect or even a, you know, a dead-on favourite who's a big, big favourite doesn't always win and, it's, you know, it's sometimes good to bet in those in MMA. 
uh, because it's just so unpredictable because you can do so many things but you know for Benil Dariush that's the unfortunate fact for him because if it wasn't that unpredictable he to me he'd be one of the best fighters in the world because of his uh, the way he can fight but uh, you know unfortunately for him that's not the way it always goes but he's on a 3-5 win streak now I believe and uh, fair play to him Did a good win over Frank Camacho um, then Cyril Gagne you're not as high on Cyril Gagne as I am are you? Well, uh, like I think you're just going a bit overboard too quickly, and I was kind of just just messing with you a bit as well. But uh, he, I'd cool the Jets on. He's coming. He's going to be the, the champion yet. He's got a long way to go. You know, he, he's, he just went five and zero. Oh. Uh, he'll have a step up in competition, and we'll see what happens when he kind of when he gets put in a few bad positions or gets clocked hard in the face by one of these big heavyweights with a lot of power. I, I totally and utterly disagree. This is hot take weekend right here. This is number 233 for the hot takes. Cyril Gagne, UFC heavyweight champion. Chalk it down. Mark it up. Tell me if I'm wrong in two or three years. If I'm wrong, fair enough. You know, it'll actually take about 15 years because he's a heavyweight, so he'll be fighting for ages. But he's a he's a future champion. He's just too good not to be. His grappling is brilliant. He's, he's brilliant, uh, brilliant submissions. He has unbelievable striking. He's good cardio. Today, he, he got put in the clinch in the third round, and he just shook your man off. Ngannou bandwagon and onto the... the- uh, oh my god, I know they're teammates, but imagine the two of them fighting. Oh, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. Split them up. We need to get that beef going right now. I want to see the two of them fighting. Jesus, what a fight that would be. Like, Cyril Gagne right now, he's 5-0. and oh, And my head, like, is telling me, oh, no, give him a few more easy ones. You know, get him to 10-0 and oh, and then give him, a, give him a move up. But Cyril Gagne against Derek Lewis right now, who'd win that fight, Graham? Gagne probably yeah. well, Derek Lewis probably be like he'd probably win like 14 minutes of it and then Derek Lewis probably win <laughs> Maybe, <yeah. laughs> that's what happened that's what happened but yeah. if, if Gagne fought, fought him who, do you, who would you be up for who would you be backing as, uh, who would you be rooting for as a as an impartial journalist I wouldn't be backing either of them but I love I love both of them I love like uh, I just love watching guys fight like I was thinking about this during the week as well you know and someone asked us the question before about how do we enjoy these fights when we're not like backing someone up like I, I find it hard to enjoy soccer matches unless it's you know well even Man United play now but <laughs> unless it's you know, Man United and their pomp when they're playing really well really really want them to when I get into the match or you know if Liverpool are playing I really want them to lose and I get into the match or if, you know the Man United's rivals in fucking Sheffield United or something are, are playing I want them so Man United can get above them in the table or something you know but if it's just like oh you know if, uh, Chelsea versus Sheffield United you want Man United to get above them in the table yeah, you fucking hell you didn't get my joke yeah, yeah, there you go there's a load of <laughs> incriminating uh, Sheehan quotes in this podcast there so far so you, you know what I mean like it's hard to get into it that way but for me I, I just this is what I love in MMA, like seeing guys like Gagne coming through, seeing guys uh, like uh, Zabit Megamed Sharapov, or seeing the last year for Israel Adesanya, getting on that high train. I love it. That's all, And, you know, it might always go well. You know, I remember tweeting after uh, Adesanya's first fight in the UFC, this guy is going to be brilliant. I can't wait to see his rise. I think he could be a future champion. And everyone's saying, oh, no, 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 he wouldn't be. And, like, I'm saying that after Gagne as well. I might be wrong. And, I, you know, you're saying, and I'm sure loads of other people are saying, but I don't really care. I just... I hope he gets brilliant. Like, I hope Nganu wins the title. I hope, like, I love Steve. I said it about Steve years ago, too, when he fought in England and people were giving out about it. It's like, this is a future UFC champion. And I'm, I know I'm picking out all the ones I'm right about. You know, that I said the same about Benil Lariush and I'm wrong, but I still love watching Benil Lariush and the way he fights. Like, 
I love watching these guys with great skill sets who are really fun and go in there and and, and do you know do their thing. They can go like Daniel tonight. People question his cardio, and the, you know, thirty minutes into that fight, he shucks the guy off, starts smashing him, gets him down to the ground, and submits him. Well, like br- brilliant! How can you not love that? Like, I ah, oh, I love MMA. It's great, isn't it? It's brilliant. What a sport! Yeah, and we can we could even get a beef going where one of them and Ganu or uh, Gane becomes champion, and mm. other teammates have to fight Dana White, be getting involved, yes. giving it loads, Rash- and uh, Rashad and <laughs> Rashad and Jones all over again. Yeah, and then Greg ja- or whoever their coach is can choose a side, and it was actually hilarious. Greg Jackson and Rashad were like best mates, and like giving each other like handmade drawings of each other and stuff on the ultimate fighter, and then John Jones came along and was like, "See you later, mate." Yeah, yeah Greg. <laughs> 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 Greg Jackson was like, I got the like, next fight on Northern. Who's this Rashad lad? I can't remember him. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, he's like lads that are gone out with a girl all their life and then they get famous. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck. Wait, no, uh, there's supermodels coming around here. Let, let, me, uh, let me just move on there. That's what, uh, that's what Greg Jackson basically did. But sure, look, these things happen in MMA anyway. Yeah, anyway, Cyril Gagne, future champion without a shadow of a doubt. <clears throat> Muslim Sadikov got a, an okay win. <laughs> Randy Marcus won, other people won on the undercard. I didn't watch it because I was up all night watching the Bellator card, which we'll get to soon. So, all right. Nate Diaz. What did you think of this whole Nate Diaz, this situation? Myself and Philip O'Connor. What was your rating, though, even though it's not oh, a pay What was your rating for Ooh, the... Oh, I haven't thought about it. What's yours? You always give yours first. Seven. Oh. I give a rookie seven. What? A seven? Se- this wasn't a good fight at all. Seven. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Why did you enjoy it? Just because uh, I, I kind of just exactly what I thought would happen happened, and I really enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically, I thought it was uh, like this is the sort of one where it was better than I thought, but still bad. <laughs> if you know what I mean? So oh, we didn't even talk about Herb Dean, did we? Oh yeah, Jesus, yeah. I'm gonna give it a five point one there anyway before we move on. Yeah, what about Herb Dean? The fucking a clear tap, uh, and then he got choked tricks. out. <laughs> What the fuck? Maybe he was like, because it was a one-handed choke, he was like, oh, is he really tapping? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, but you benefit of the doubt there, but it's a number and it's a really consistent number of fuck-ups now. Yeah, Herb Dean is like one of the worst referees in the world. I have to give it to Kevin McDonald as well. He did a great job last night and last week as well, so fair play to him. I've given him shit before, but he's done well. But Herb Dean, yeah, awful, awful. Right, Nate Diaz, what did you think of the whole Nate Diaz situation? (sighs) Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, like everybody's innocent and proven guilty, but everybody just says they're innocent. And uh, there's just a lot of things going on in this. Why have it ba- as a banned substance if you're not going to ban people when they get caught using it or they get caught with it in their body? Um, it's like the the, the kind of rule is it doesn't really matter how it got into your body. It's your responsibility to make sure it doesn't get in there. But if you're not getting banned, then what's the point? Uh, yeah, I, I think the issue with Nate Diaz, though, is that this this whole new kind of the threshold thing that um, uh, Jeff Nowitzki has been talking about for a while. I, thought, I saw Eric McGracken tweeting about it yesterday that they have changed this rule, but not not in writing, per se, over the last while. I, I We were talking about it last night. They did it for Neil Magny. Uh, it took him four months, but they did it for him, and they exonerated him for the exact same thing, basically, as Nate Diaz. Uh, they've done it for a well, couple of months. they didn't exonerate him, did they? I, I think they did, yeah. So they said he was completely innocent? I, I think so. 
But did he not like the, he did have it in a, the, the elevated levels? So no. Yeah, but it's it's such a small amount that it wasn't enough. Like for uh, Nate Diaz, I think in the uh, so it could could it could occur, occur or get that that high to that range naturally. Well, it, for Nate Diaz, the it was found in a supplement that he'd been taking, a vegan supplement at Whole Foods in in three different things. So he's able to give the supplement straight away, and it was. It was ten thousand times lower than the limit that would affect you. So that's according to the the uh, the. Yeah. The so why is it banned? Like it's, it's stupid. It's, some things can be banned, but not or, or, you know only above a certain threshold. Like you you can smoke a little bit of weed, and <laughs> if uh, if they found a little bit of weed in your system, you're grand. You're not banned. But if you were fucking smoking as you go to the the octagon and you get into the cage and in your drug tested directly after and you're fucking you know you look like snoop dogg on a saturday it's you know you're gonna get banned there's a threshold for certain things and i have no problem with i t- like i my um, i've got some kind things of, are banned and some things are, are limited like and, and this is a banned substance now but i think it's i think that's like, where they're they changing. Have it, like why have it down as a banned substance if it's not but it's banned. banned over a certain threshold. I think that's what yeah. they're changing. That's what, like, Austria. But they haven't well. changed it yet. But I think yeah. they have. I think they have, but they haven't really said it, you know, put it straight out there yet. Like, Jeff Nowitzki has been talking about that for the last couple of but months. Like, uh, why would they notify Nate of, of elevated levels if it's, if it, you know? Because, you know, they, they, they should notify <laughs> him of elevated levels. Because maybe they, they go here. You're, you know, you're taking a, a thing, uh, um, uh, a supplement that has this. Stop taking it. Go and use a different supplement because if you keep taking it, maybe your levels will go up. So I think they're fair. I like that's happened to certain people as well before, maybe in other sports where they have certain things in their uh, in their tests and in the, you know, they go to them and say, here, mm-hmm. there, this is now we're going to test you more often to see if it's there and, you know, maybe someone can get rid of it or whatever. But like I, I've maintained since early on in this whole drug testing thing we need a little bit of drug testing we need testing but i feel like we only need it for when it's cut and dry if someone comes in there with like a tiny little bit of testosterone or a tiny little bit of something in in them you can't be banning people for that i think you need to catch them fucking red-handed because you don't know whether someone had a fucking sandwich or you know someone took a <laughs> you know took something that was mixed with a bottle or you know like for something like ten thousand times the size of something that would affect you you're banning someone for that like i don't think that's right and i think what's done here has been sensible i think they need to put it in writing so that we don't have this situation again where we're saying oh is this right because you know you have a point here and i think people have a point with this the system we're in now there's another argument i suppose whether we need to just get rid of this system altogether and i don't think that's a bad argument because it's i think this is too much i i like i've gone back and forth and i think over the last few months i really i really think you saw that's too much like these guys uh, you know, Cyril Gagne tonight, right? What what did he get? He probably got, you know, 30 grand, 15 and 15, something like that, to show up and win tonight. So that's his one night's work. He's getting paid for that. Yet he is on call 365 days of the year, 24-7, to be drug tested. Like, is that is that fair? Is Should his whole life be ruined? Like, Ray Borg tweeted there today that he was in, uh, he was in having a meal for, like, his son's birthday or something like that in, in you know, McDonald's or something. And the, the drug test- testers came and found him. And it made him piss into a bottle in the toilet in front of people as, like, they were walking around. Is that fair? For a guy who's probably got, like, 14 grand for his last fight for the, that night to work when, you know... Uh, is that fair? And I know we're talking about we need a fair sport. 
we don't want lads having loads of drugs, you know, taking PEDs all over the place. We don't want a fair sport. But is that fair? You know, we have to look at it. Is it fair for the fighters too? To, to be doing that to them all the time. Like, I don't know. I feel like there might be a different way of doing it. And a more sensible way. Yeah, Maybe. when they're all got a salary, they're, like, they're just like kind of private contractors. It's yeah. kind of a strange area. But they've signed these contracts. But like, yeah, if, if there was a union of any kind or an association of any kind, I, I doubt they'd be agreeing to things like that without some kind of pay rise or some kind of compensation in some way. Mm-hmm. Some kind of, you know, but if you put limits on it, you say, "Oh, when it's my child's birthday, you can't test me." Then people are just gonna like, if they want to use drugs, uh, yeah, with, but with small half lives, they're gonna yeah. use it at, at, at those times. Like, you know, people are smart and will work out ways around things if you leave loopholes. Yeah, that's true as well. But like, I always thought as well, and maybe my my point is incorrect here, but I always thought weight classes were a good way of actually stopping drugs getting out of hand for people because. You, you're not going to be able to take something that's going to make you the fucking Hulk when you have to make 155. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you can take something to help with the weight cut or maybe take something to help with your cardio and things like that. But a lot of people's argument for the ethics behind it, and I, with PEDs, it's almost always ethics, it's that you can hit harder and hurt the other guy more. I think the weight class has stopped that a little bit because if you can't put on loads and loads of muscle... If you look at something like Vitor Belfort, though. Yeah, well, yeah, but... He, yeah, he, but he that I think that was a little bit different because he was given. Bisping has like one eye now. No, but he, Vitor Belfort was given a TUE to take testosterone. I think I think that's a a lot different. Like I'm not saying don't test anyone. I I think what a, a good way of doing it would be uh, test a person when they sign a contract to take the fight, test them on fight night, and maybe have one other test in between where they have to go to a doctor's and be tested. Like. And, and test them before fight night on fight week and after the fight as well so that's four tests that's there. an IQ test though again then yeah, but it's an uh, I think it might be enough if you do it four times four tests in, in you know the few months coming like that's probably what people are getting tested anyway and I know it's an IQ test but I think it's better than the situation we have now I, I really because it's not just fights are getting wrecked like it's hurting the fans it's hurting the fighters it's hurting the UFC like who's it actually benefiting we're talking about people oh you know these lads are getting hurt and th- th- that's a big argument there as well because I think people are kind of conflating these two arguments of P you know PEDs and lads taking PEDs going into a fight hurting people I think the issue there is lads going into but people a fight who want to be people. clean and fight clean fighters it's terrible for them like you know Bisping was saying that for years that all these juicers beat him and then when Yusada came in then all of a sudden he's champion yeah but what about the argument that two clean lads fighting they're still getting hurt aren't they like if your argument is I don't want to see lads getting hurt but if you just take away I, drug testing completely, basically, and make it an IQ test, then a lot of people will will juice more. A lot more people will juice, and then for the people who are actually clean and fighting fair, it'll be completely unfair again. But I don't think it's completely unfair. I, like before, was it completely unfair? You can say the thing about Bisping, but that's when TRT was allowed. That nobody wants a situation where you can give TUEs, TRT, TUEs. That you know, Dan Henderson and and Vitor Belfort. No one wants to see the situation where you can have a Vitor Belfort again. But before that, I don't think it was you know as bad. And I'm not saying go back to just fight night IQ tests. I'm not saying that. Do it a few times throughout camp, you know, and I know maybe it'll be an IQ test as well if you make them go to the doctor and they have an appointment or whatever, but I, I just feel like that's a smarter solution than doing it the way we have it right now. I, I feel like it's not it's not working for anyone, like, and I, I really think that the argument of people getting hurt because lads are taking PEDs is not the argument, because lads are this the argument should be for me if you're making that argument that mma should be banned altogether because two lads going in there who are clean 
are going to hurt each other as well. Like, McGregor versus Diaz, they fought six and a half rounds. And I, I think most people would both acknowledge that both of them are, are clean of, of PEDs anyway. Maybe, maybe not weed and stuff like that. Those lads got hurt terribly in, in that fight. You know, Nate Diaz got knocked down a few times. McGregor got hurt badly and choked out in the first fight. He got hurt a few times in the second fight as well. Those those boys are getting hurt without any PDs. Loads of people are going in there getting hurt without any PDs. That's what MMA is. Now, will it make it worse? How much how much worse will it will it make it? You know, there's a certain amount of damage you can take and until you can't take any damage anymore. And because you know, MMA fighters don't really retire. Now and my my argument might be a bit nullified. Lots of people will, I'm sure will uh will disagree with, with this argument, but I just feel like there's this USADA system that we have brought in has just pr- and and I put up a, a thing the other day about uh, USADA and I think 89% of people were against it. They don't want it going on. What happens if the, if the UFC next month say, oh, we're scrapping USADA and then a month later somebody gets seriously injured or... Yeah, but that's... Look, you know, it's, 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 it's a big risk, I think. Uh, it is a risk, all right. I, like, I think, and I said this on the podcast before, the UFC need a way out of this USADA. I think they're just waiting for USADA to hand them a way out of it. But by doing something wrong or by getting into some scandal or something like that where, where they can say, we've lost faith in you, Sada, we're moving on. Maybe we, we look for someone else. But in the meantime, we'll go back to the other thing and then never find someone else. I think that's what you, the UFC probably need. Now... They might be like, these are these USADA guys are, or these uh, testing guys are goofs. We can't find any, exactly. <laughs> can't find any, any lab that's not a bunch of goofs. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I think that's what we need. But uh, how whenever... Yeah, I, I don't know. And maybe, maybe some fighters will, will disagree with the, the point there. But look... The, that's the world we live in, I suppose. But um, right. Let's talk a little bit about. But anyway, I, I suppose back to the the Masvidal Diaz thing before we get into Bellator two three one. I'm happy enough the fight's gone on anyway. I'd be I'd be sick and I don't think Nate Diaz took drugs to be honest. I think he gave the supplement. It was in the supplement. I think that's fair enough. If, <laughs> Nate Diaz. I don't know, what about his well. big post about like um I won't fight until my name is completely cleared and it all was. this stuff. It was completely you know, cleared. Yeah, it, it was. The UFC came out uh, and said it was in uh, it was in a supplement that Nate Diaz had taken nothing wrong. Dana White tweeted that he's been clear. He knew uh, he wasn't taking anything. USADA said he's not banned. Uh, he's no yeah. suspension or nothing like that. So he wasn't. Yeah, USADA said he, USADA didn't completely clear him though. Ah, he was cleared. Come on, mm, you, you're, you're fucking Team McGregor here again. You're some fucking shit. No, you you're know ready I've, I've always been a big fan of the Diaz brothers, but yeah, you, you know people if. I'm just looking at it from the kind of devil's advocate of if it was another fighter who wasn't a beloved fighter, they, people wouldn't be so quick to be like, eyes oh, clearly he did nothing wrong a couple of days after they heard about this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I kind of want to brush that under the carpet. <laughs> <I wanna see laughs> yeah, everybody does. I everybody does. I can't wait for it. That's my yeah. point. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, and we'll talk about that fight, obviously, on the, on the next podcast. In we'll, we'll break it down. We'll break down that whole card. Um before we move up to Belter on Conor McGregor fighting um, January 18th. There are lots of people talking about Donald Cerrone. He put up the picture uh, with the bottle of proper 12 and Budweiser. You know, Justin Gaethje's name has been thrown around as well. But he tweeted that, oh, McGregor's running for me again or whatever. So it looks like it's going to be going to be Cerrone. January 18th, what you think of that, Graham? Long enough, 12 weeks before the next fight. I think we talked about it before in the podcast. That's the sort of build-up he needs, isn't it? Yeah, well, if it does get announced, I think it, it, it does make sense time-wise and... Um, you know, coming. I think you said it on the podcast with Phil that you did on Patreon. Mm-hmm. You know, coming in on six or seven weeks training after three years out uh, of fighting to to face Habib was just wasn't enough time. And um, this is you know 
on the podcast you were talking to Phil about you you were talking oh could he could he jump in against Masvidal but it just it just wouldn't it wouldn't make sense if you're if you're gonna make if you're gonna make a run at, at Habib and try to get your revenge it is good to have a proper camp and uh, a warm up fight as you said as you said I think in the past maybe the UFC wouldn't have risked uh, a warm up fight they would have put together the the rematch straight away with the with the pay per view numbers that came in mm-hmm. but I think if it is Don Cerrone that he fights it isn't much of a risk so uh, mm-hmm. you know we, we've talked we've talked to death about Don Cerrone's weaknesses. Um, so people are probably sick sick of hearing it, but uh, I think it's a uh, if it is to get announced, I think it's a nice matchup for Connor. If he's if it's just Gaethje, I think uh, it's a bigger risk. But I think it's like it's 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 a a really good fight that could do very good pay per view numbers on its own, which which Cerrone could do as well. But uh, but um, yeah, I think um, I think just the main thing is that he has enough time to Connor has enough time to prepare. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I suppose, you know, okay, you, you said there is when the fight's going to be announced. It ha- obviously hasn't been announced yet. Will McGregor be able to get there? You know, he's legal troubles uh, outside of the cage. He was in court there the other day, and there's lots of rumors and things going around. So will he even, even get to the cage? That's another thing, I suppose, that we have to think about. And then, will he put in the proper preparation? Is You know, is he too rich now to be going into a hard 12-week camp? Does he have the desire? You know, you'd probably be able to tell me better than, you know, to, to know better than me or to know better than anyone listening to here, but... Even you don't know. Even he doesn't know. Like, until he does it, he has to go in there and he has to actually do it. He's only fought once in MMA in the last three years. Uh, you know, does he have the preparation? If he doesn't have the preparation, if he doesn't prepare properly, I think Donald Cerrone will beat him. But if he does, if he goes a hard 12 weeks now with no broken foot, no broken hand, no injuries, I think he's a better fighter than Donald Cerrone. I think most people would would agree with that. Like, there's ways Cerrone wins the fight. Cerrone's very good wrestling, good jiu-jitsu and stuff. McGregor always had good takedown defense. But McGregor's issue going into this fight is... It's that preparation, it's the things outside of the cage, it's the distractions. You know, he said it himself, there's going to be no drinking or anything before this fight, that uh, he's going to have no distractions, and he said it himself in the past as well, I know nothing else, only MMA, and that's what made him great. But there's also the thing as well that McGregor's at his best when he is, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, when he is ready for that fight. The Eddie Alvarez fight came after... It was his fourth fight in 11 months. The two Diaz fights, Jose Aldo and then Eddie Alvarez. 11, 11 months for those four fights. And that was the best he's ever fought. He's barely fought in the last three years. And that's an issue coming in here. Will a rusty Conor McGregor be as good? If he is, he's done the perfect thing by saying he wants these three fights in the next year. He must have been listening to this podcast because that's what I said. Go in there and get someone like a Pettis. I, I was the one I said. Or a Cerrone. If he can win that, go in there against someone like a Masvidal or a Diaz. And if he can win that, he is back in that mold where he is ready. He is, you know, McGregor. At, he's at his best when he's fighting, when he's training, when he's no time off, when he's in the gym nonstop. And if he has a fight, you know, if he wins on the 14th of January... And he's back in the gym on you know the 25th of January or whatever, uh, training again for his next fight eight weeks after that. That's what Conor McGregor needs for me to get back to his very best. Now, can he do that? Time will tell. Will he be allowed to do that? Time will tell. <laughs> you know, and, and and that's the thing with Conor McGregor. Time will tell. Um, but right, I'm mean, looking. Should be fun anyway. Should be a fun fight if it's Cerrone versus McGregor. That's a fight we've been talking about for a long time. So let's see, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, a lot and uh, t- uh, you know we'll see how it goes right before we go here Bellator 231 uh, not the most fantastic card uh, in the world uh, here last night um, 
Phil Davis in the, in the co-main event uh, broke the nose of Carl Albrechtson early. Uh, did some good striking, got him down to the ground, and got the got the finish towards the end of of that fight with a TKO. I thought Albrechtson might do a little bit better, but Phil Davis was good. This was a good performance by him. Uh, Frank Mir defeated Ryan Nelson. He was throwing the leg kick basically throughout the whole fight. Ryan Nelson looked extremely, extremely old uh, in this one. Not a good fight at all. Two two old lads in there. Um, Edge Root beat Jason Jackson. This to me was a terrible decision. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fucking hope. No way. And, you know, friend of the podcast, Ben Cartledge was over there. The first UK judge to ever judge in America. So fair play to Ben. And it showed why, because he got this decision right, and the other two 100% got it wrong. And who was the, the deciding vote? Doug Crosby. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's a big issue. such a carnage shell. Yeah, I am. But I, I, in fairness, I had tweeted my um, tweeted my score before uh, before uh, the, the scores were given out, so I didn't even know. So I could have been coming on here disagreeing with him if he'd gotten it wrong, but thankfully he didn't. But uh, yeah, look, Jackson won this fight. I think the third round is, is the big one. Jackson knocked him down, almost knocked him out, like sparked him in the in the first two minute or two uh, of the third round. Edrut did a great job of getting back. If if that knockdown hadn't happened, I think it was a close ten nine either way, a really close ten nine either way. Like you could have given the rest of that round to Jackson because he was winning before that and he won a bit after it. Edrut got him against the cage near the end, got a little bit of a takedown, landed a few shots on top, so Edrut did well. So maybe he won that the rest of that round ten nine. But that's if you leave out him almost getting sparked. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that he won that round 10-9 that, uh, that Jason Jackson won it. 100%. And that's where good judges are separated from bad. Because they see in the, in the rules, in the writing of the rules, it's effective grappling, effective striking. It's the 3Ds. And he did unbelievable damage with that, that shot. He knocked him down. And he didn't get dominated for the rest of the fight. Your man didn't have the, the duration where he was winning the rest of the fight. That damage damage was the biggest thing to happen in that round in a close round other than that and that's that's around a good judge gives to jackson and and the other two lads uh, uh, you know for that round i'm not saying you know doug crosby is a shit judge whenever he judges fair enough but the other lad uh look he, he made a he made a mistake and um uh, uh there was a few fights in the undercar as well i didn't see any of them so fair play to them lads um Ilara Joanna beat Beck Rollins. This, oh, I loved it. The Arya Stark gimmick, bringing out the list afterwards, coming out to the Game of Thrones music, wearing the Arya Stark jumper and all. Oh, saying a girl has no name. I loved it. Oh, Ilara Joanne, you're fucking on Team Sheehan here straight away anyway. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Got a good win as well. She looked good against uh, Beck Rollins, who's not a great fighter either, but uh, fair play to her. And then last thing here, uh, before we get to a couple of questions, Jake Hager versus Anthony Garnett. You saw this one, didn't you? What did you, what did you think of it? Uh, well, like he he didn't really commit to the hammering it up. Like you got to get the neck brace on if you're if you're gonna fully hammer it up. Like yeah. he did he did get hit in the hit in the balls. In fairness, but like come on. Yeah, uh, look the first one where he he hammed it up a lot. Uh, her, who was Dan Margliotta didn't give it so fair play to him for that in the second one he, he definitely needed him in the balls uh, and he hammed that one up but he, he kept going and then Jake Hager like caught him up and he was like bleeding from his mouth bleeding from his nose and he was you know Jake Hager didn't look particularly great in this fight but he was he was definitely winning there uh, and uh, then he you know he hit him with a good shot in the balls of uh, uh, definitely but uh, Gareth saw his way out of this fight really let's be honest that's the problem i think there's a bigger picture here than actually what happened in the fight the bigger picture here is when you 
uh, give a guy like Jake Hager, who you're building up to be, you know, uh, maybe not a great fighter, but who you're building up to be a draw, and you give him uh, a can to crush, and, and that's maybe a bit harsh on Garrett because I think he's four and two or something like that. So not the, you know, not the worst record in the world. But when you give him, when you bring a guy in there to lose, and you give him an opportunity to get out without that loss, that guy's going to take it, and that's a big issue when you're making those mismatches like that. Because maybe he'll be thinking, oh, I might get a rematch out of that, you know. So that's. That's a big issue when you're making those sort of matches in MMA, uh, and that's what happened here. So, you know, he definitely hammed it up, but he got that that knee was bad enough. The third one, where you can say he was probably right to ham it up, and I would have done the same in that situation. But that's probably not why I'm a fighter. But uh, how and ever, there you go. Right before we go, obviously, if you're waiting for us, if you didn't listen to it earlier in the podcast, we'll have another podcast during the week where we talk about tonight's Bellator and we talk about uh, Masvidal and Diaz and that card on on that podcast. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Andy Hall, Dan Hardy has listed the top 10 BMFs in UFC history. Uh, who are yours? Right, top 10 BMFs. Let's, I'll, I'll think of a few here and you give me a few. Okay, one, uh, Justin Gaethje. I'm going to go with Vanderlei Silva. I'm going to go with uh, Chuck Liddell. Uh, Andy, you throw a few names at me here, Graham. The Diaz brothers. The two Diaz um. brothers. That's five. Um, bad motherfuckers. Who's a bad motherfucker? Mm. Francis Ngannou. I love a bit of Francis. Absolutely brilliant. Someone who just threw Diego Sanchez has to be number one bad motherfucker. Number uh, one. Oh, definitely. Without a sh- I love Diego Sanchez. What a legend. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? A bad bad motherfucker. Um, hmm. I don't know. I love. I love a bit of Wonder Boy, but you couldn't put him in that. Uh, I'm going. Wonder Boy's definitely not a bad motherfucker. Robbie Lawler, you have to put Robbie Lawler up there, don't you? Bad motherfucker, definitely a bad motherfucker. Um, there's lot, oh, there's lots of lads. A bit of uh, a bit of Jose Aldo, I think he was a bad motherfucker. Conor McGregor's a pretty bad motherfucker as well, you know, and more males than one. But yeah, there you go. There's ten names on here for you. Fair play. Um, Andrew Harvey, other than Derek Lewis winning via typical unexpected KO, surely you've got to imagine that Cyril Gagne would absolutely school him. How exciting is it to see such technically sound? Yeah, but other than that is basically his whole way of winning every 40 fights. That is true. That is true. Yeah, we, we talked about that earlier on. Yeah, so so definitely. And these questions are all from Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Mail Podcast. Uh, we'll have the second podcast instead of the Q&A this week. So we'll, we'll put some of the questions in this podcast, obviously, and some in the next. So if you have any more questions, fire them on us. Uh, Sean Dinney, was it odd that there was only an, one Asian fighter in the Singapore card? Askren Hughes out there but it seems odd that the the only um, Muay Thai lady on the, on the card yeah that was a bit odd actually I kind of looking through the card I, I noticed that and UFC are usually good for that so yeah maybe that maybe that was a bit odd alright so yeah usually but, they'll even put guys who have terrible records and just to get people on the on the cards I don't know why why that's changed recently yeah very very odd one altogether uh, Christopher Graham uh, uh, does would Leon Edwards have gotten the nod if um if um diaz wasn't able to to get in there that like that was the big question there wasn't it like would leon edwards again i like, like leon edwards i think he's a very good fighter but if you're having leon edwards fighting for the bmf title headline in the pay-per-view against masvidal i know they have the background and everything like that with the three punch combination the three was it three piece in a soda but that would have been a that would have been a tough one to go but yeah there you go um how good was gunny to hang with my on the ground for three whole rounds nobody else seems to be able to hang with him yeah like gunny nelson is is a very very good grappler no doubt about that Maya is, is the best there's no doubt he's he's absolutely fantastic and last one here from sean denny would habib straight up ko ben askren yes he, oh my god that yeah, i think so, so yeah pretty so easy. on the ground or on the feet mm-hmm. so it'd be so easy 
right there you go that's the podcast uh part one anyway of the podcast and uh we will be back in about 48 hours maybe for next podcast actually I, i'll be above in dublin as well on tuesday for the cage warriors media day so if anyone's around i actually i don't think it's open to the public or anything so i'll see like pizza up there i'll see you pizza good <laughs> right we'll be back soon thanks everyone for listening tell a friend spread the word listen actually there's a new true balls podcast as well so listen to that myself and jj talking about soccer so subscribe and listen to that as well uh follow me at chanji nba follow graham at severe May. follow at severe May pod send in your questions all week sign up patreon.com forward slash severe May podcast until then bye